Looking forward to 2021. The games we're excited for. Well, hello there, and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 194. 194. If you are new to the show, stick around, and we will let you know where you can find us on social media and whatnot to be part of the community and kind of join in the discussions that we do with like the weekly community's take, which is currently on break until the new year, but we will have one for you guys to answer next episode. So... With that in mind, we like to always start this show off what we consider to be the time-honored tradition of being the right way, and that is simple. Saul. Brett. What have you been up to? I have not seen you until Friday all week. Yes. I guess I saw you Thursday for like a split second. I took off um, all week last week for vacation, and I didn't play as much games as I kind of wanted to. Which Wanted to or thought you would? Thought I would, I guess. Because, you know, you have a lot of free time. But then, for me, it's kind of like I played a little bit at a Destiny. I baked a lot of cookies. And I did that, like, uh, no, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But then Thursday rolled around, and then I hung out with some buddies that came into town. And I didn't play anything else the rest of Thursday. Yesterday rolled around, or Friday rolled around, and with it being Christmas, I really didn't do much that day at all either. I played a little bit of Slay the Spire, but that was kind of it. And then yesterday and today, I've kind of just played a little bit of Slay the Spire, and that's kind of been it. <laughs> okay. Not too much. Nothing new. What have you played? So I continued about three times this week to dabble with that dumb level on Sackboy. Still haven't gotten it. I almost don't care anymore. So I think what the problem is is that when I go to do it, at first I was like, maybe me not caring will actually be a good thing because maybe I'll care so less that I'll just end up doing it. I don't know if that's actually going to work out. Tried it again last night, and then again this morning, I was like, nah, I'm good. Uh, I'll normally said try one or two times and then move along. But um, I played some more Demon Souls. I don't think I'd said this last time, but I went through and gotten the... What's weird about this time of year is that time flies and you're so busy that it's hard to remember exactly what we talked about. But um, I played Demon Souls and got the... Um, what is it? Well, I don't know. What is it? I told it to you the other day. The Storm God. <laughs> Whatever storm you want to call it. Storm, storm Roller. Thank you. Um, I got through that fight. And so the Arch Demon fights is apparently what I'm talking about. But uh, I went through the, through the Storm Roller fight and got that, you know, got the blade. And what a cool blade that is. It, it makes it so weird that Demon Souls is like the only game in the entire series that kind of does this thing realistically where the big bad bosses that keep you from being able to go through. Cause like, you know, before you fight one of the arch demons, you can't even continue through the game mm-hmm. to like one, what is it? One, four or one, three, maybe. Cause I know you fight tower Knight, And after you fight tower Knight, you can't move forward until you have the steam, the soul of an arch demon. Right. So I like that, but the arch demons themselves are, it's not that they're not challenging, but they're not challenging necessarily in the normal way. Right. I got to go as far as to say that the Storm Ruler is a cool fight, but because of the way that the game has worked out for you to just get through it and then suddenly go and pick up the sword and then slice through it, it's only hard a little bit for like the first, and then it's just really cool. It's one of the most epic parts of the game, I think. But then you get into 
the um, Dragon God, who's in two, three, or two, four, and I did that as well. And that one's cool because it's like you know you're moving through, and it's like the level is set up to be partially the boss. Like yeah. the boss is part of it, but it's like the whole boss fight is more of you're working your way through a level, and that's cool because that's something that I think is primarily unique to Demon Souls, uh, and it would be cool to see if they'd ever bring that back in other series. Like we saw. Uh, the storm. Um, what do they call the actual sword? Um, the actual sword's called Storm Ruler. Okay, so the boss is the Storm God or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Storm Ruler comes back in Dark Souls three, right? Yes. Who do you use it against? Uh, Yorm the giant. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it comes back around, but either way, it's a cool thing to see. I, I played that, and then I played um, a bunch of Destiny two as I'm trying my darndest. So I think last time I talked to you, I was like 1180 or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. I'm 1225 right now. And the game, the game is weird. Because I've already been having a problem of knowing exactly what I wanted to play. Like, I've been playing Demon's Soul still. But because I've not just been overly pulled to play one thing and Cyberpunk ended up messing up on me, and I haven't gone back and tried it again. I intend to do that next week when I take vacation. But... I got hit with a progression thing, sadly, where every quest that I would try and do, it would, on the right side of the screen of like all open world games, you know, when you're doing a quest or whatever, it'll show you the steps that you can do. And normally when you complete one, it'll put a check mark into it and go away or put a line through it and go away, whatever. It would stay there and then move to the next one, but it'd stay there. And then I'd keep going and eventually it hit a point where whenever I'd go to do the new thing, mm-hmm. it would just fall back to the thing I did like two or three times ago. Weird. So it'd be like, um, getting this guy's car, which would be like one of the first things in the mission. Then I'd go and do the majority of the mission. And then, it'd be and like, then suddenly, the guy's car. <laughs> suddenly it won't let me do anything else besides getting the guy's car. And I can't progress any further. And I thought it was a singular mission that I was on. So I went and started a new one. And the first thing is follow Judy. And I did that, worked through some stuff, gone back. Then it got to a point where the only thing I could do is follow Judy. And whenever you click on it for it to tell me what to do, the quest center goes back to where you were originally were supposed to do the thing that it's telling you to do. But you can't because you've already done it. So that caught me and really just pulled me out of the game. And they've updated it since with 1.06, but nothing about quest fixes. So I don't think that it, I don't necessarily know that it would have fixed anything. So we'll see what next week brings me. But because I just didn't have a lot going on, I'd, I'd play Destiny and try and get into some of the newer stuff that I'd missed out on. So I beat the Beyond Light campaign. Right. I moved on and beat the past that missions for the most part. Um, actually, I did beat all those. But now I'm working on a bunch of exotic quests for like that sword that you can get. Um, I've gotten some more exotics. I've been trying to build those up. I got one that is for... It's a chest piece that I think has something to do with... Is it a warlock exotic chest piece? It's a warlock exotic chest piece, and I think it goes toward one of the, one of the um, subclasses. Like if, you're, if you've got that finisher active, then it does more damage. Is it Stormbracer's Trance? That's it. Or Embrace or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And then earlier today, I got one that I'm also not completely sure what it was, but has something to do with, I think, the Daybreak class or whatever for Sun. Is it a helmet? No, it's Boots. That are exotic. Luna faction boots? Nope. They're hmm. Boots that are an exotic that deal with sun sunbreaker? Are you talking about for Titan? 
No, it's for uh, Warlock. I don't know what those are. Off the top of my head, at least. I can't think of any boots. There's transversive steps. Those make you run faster mm-hmm. and reload sprint. Mm-hmm. Or sprint reloads. Um, this could be a new item. I really, I, I genuinely don't know. Oh, Prometheum Spur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never used those. I just, I got them as a random drop. They look cool. But, you know, long-running Destiny problem of... They, you can only put... I don't like that you can't make exotics look like other things. Yet. Yet. I don't actually know if that's coming. Did they Transmog's say it was? coming, yeah. They said oh, that. no, Transmog's coming. It already kind of exists. It's from collections. But you can it's, only it's do it know. on new items as well. You can't do it on older items anyway. Like So you can only do it on, what, Shadowkeep and, and forward right. items? And Promethean, Promethean Spurs are from Shadowkeep, I'm pretty sure. Sure, but right now you can't. Because they're exotics, you can't do it. At and all. I don't know if I don't know if exotics will be included, or if they are, if they're just going to be a catch-all, since there's so many across each character. Well, I think like you know, when, whenever I think of like the best transmog out there, I think of Diablo three. And yeah. one of the great things about Diablo three is you can get legendary items, which are basically exotics, and they have really crazy things and they're great items. But if you don't like the way they look, then you can put something else on them. But also, if you like the way they look, but you outgrow that because the version that you have, where this is a little different, the version that you have, you can't infuse to get it up higher. So you eventually get another one or something, another weapon that you really like, but you you keep wanting it to look like that. So you go ahead and transmog your item to look like a legendary. I guess that's what I'm hoping for here. Like ever since the dream of transmog and destiny has come out, that's been it. Like, you know, I want full control of what I look like. I guess when I really think about Transmog, the oldest example I know was in DC Universe Online that I've played. I know it existed before that, but that was the first time I ran into it, where if you unlocked a piece of armor for like a helmet, then you unlocked that style for helmets. And then you could just go to the helmet, regardless of what you had clicked on, and then you could go and say, I want to use this style, the demon style, and then you'll have that specific style look regardless of what piece you had on yeah i thought that was really cool and i think that that's the transmog has always been the thing that's always made it feel like this game is almost an mmo but not quite <laughs> to a lot of people because it's become a big thing in mmos they actually released a video that um if you are listening and you're interested in destiny 2 i recommend go checking out because that the, they changed like the the system up like the inventory system it looks really weird now what do, what is that? What do you mean? That's the transmog thing. Like like you go to like your like now when you're applying shaders, you see your, your full character for the most part. Oh, good. Instead of just like the arm up close or whatever. Good. That's what it should be. So that's something that's going to roll out with transmog. And what they said, it says transmog comes in season fourteen, which is the next season. Yeah, because right now we're season thirteen, season of the hunt. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be next season, which will be May twenty twenty one. So it's so far away. That is really far away. I didn't real. Hold on. I thought they said the season that we're currently in ends in 44 days. We might be in season 12 then. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Fun times. Oh, well. The the good and bad of Destiny is it's this thing where I'm trying to come through levels as quickly as I can, which I know is a little bit my own fault. But it's a game that's real easy when you don't know what else you want to do to just put on and do it that's, because it just throws stuff at you and it's like okay that's the thing with destiny like that's why i keep playing it once an expansion comes out because like i want to play a game but i don't know what hey i'll hop on destiny maybe somebody else online and then joe gets online and then 
three or four other people get online and then we're raiding or something. See, that's the problem is right now I'm, I'm by my lonesome. <laughs> I would be there. I, I Once once that PS5 gets here, I will be on. I'll be playing with you and Donovan. Damn you, Burger yeah. King. That's the problem with Donovan's got a weird schedule. So normally it's Sunday and Monday with him. So I'm not normally playing with him otherwise. But I've not really wanted to do much this week and I needed to catch up to him. Well, Brennan, now, I'm, now I'm over him. Brennan could, Brennan could probably hop on with us on PlayStation 5. Yeah. Um, but I know he plays on PC now with you guys as well, right? Yeah, but he has PS5. Yeah, I know. I'm just so he would probably hop on to play with us if he wanted to. Um, Either way, um, I went back and played the story for Shadow Keep, and I actually got to say, from actual story content wise, Shadow Keep is much more interesting than Beyond Light, and that was kind of weird because I thought Beyond Light was going to be way cooler, and if anything, probably the coolest thing that has potential, but I don't think they're capitalizing on it just yet. Is I won't say anything more than the crow. fact that the crow, yeah, yeah, the crow is a really cool character. Like it went from, but that seems like they're setting it up for another thing well now maybe it'll be something that you play throughout the seasons as they keep going until the next expansion i don't know the way they do content now is different so it's kind of like a dlc will propose uh, a storyline and then at the end of that storyline in the middle of the season you'll get a new storyline because europe is pretty much wrapped up for the most part yeah you'll get a new storyline which is the crow and he will be the feature of next season. Yeah, so that's what I figured. It's it's like every season overlaps into stuff like that. Um, at least that's what it seems from the way they're doing now. The crow seems really cool though because of how well Bungie has character development on that character. Yeah, <laughs> like that's probably one of the best things that they've ever done, other than the Forsaken DLC, is the story, the d- character development of that character. Yeah, and they're already doing some interesting stuff with it. It's weird, too, because like I like the idea, and I'm excited for it, but it's also a pretty cliche idea, which is, as we always talk about, most great stories are cliche ideas executed just really well. Yeah, and this one is like, well, you know, he's a guardian, so he doesn't remember anything. So yeah. <laughs> like, it actually has a good... It has a yeah. really, really Maybe good... Maybe it's easy to reach, too, but I'm still glad they're there, because I want to see what they do with it. Yeah, so that, that's the thing. And I, I, you know, when me and Donovan have been talking about it, I think Destiny is this big thing of like setting up cool lore moments, and then sometimes capitalizing on them, and then other times setting up cool moments of things that you think you're going to build to, and then it being falling kind of flat, or them wasting it on like the end of a normal strike, like the the Worm God. They they teased that for so long, and I thought it was going to be so much cooler than it was, and then suddenly you're just fighting him at the end of the well, strike. Well, that's not the real Worm God either. And it's kind of, oh, but regardless, this is where we're at. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that was one of those, like, I don't want to say clever, but that was one of those things of like, not retconning, but it was like, yeah, you thought you killed him, but that was a yes, lie. but yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. So it, it's weird. I mean, I, I like Destiny, but sometimes I feel like there's ideas where it's almost like if it's too cool of an idea, you might as well know that Bungie's not going to do it. But that's not really exclusive to Bungie. I think that that's a lot of these ongoing games because, like, a good example, and this is such a weird example to say, but people have ideas, but then they end up stretching a singular idea out so they can do something more in the future. Good example is God of War. God of War 3 the other day, I've never known this until now. You can look it up, but I'll go ahead and kind of give it to you because it doesn't really spoil anything about any of the games. Right. In the original God of War 3 that David Jaffe wanted to do, they were going to break into the multifaceted religion in that game. He wanted to have it where in that game, you as Kratos go through and end up finding people who are sailing, and you think it's Poseidon sailing towards Greece, but then when you get there, you end up realizing it's Norse ships, and you're fighting Norse gods because the Norse gods are coming over, and it's going to be like a battle of all the gods to see who the final 
real gods are. Right. And it was going to have Kratos go into Egypt and then flung to the pyramid and have to fight a sphinx. And then he was going to use the Medusa head or whatever to freeze the Sphinx in place. And that was going to be why the Sphinx is a statue in Egypt now. So he had all these weird things. He had it to where Kratos discovered that the, the, the way to truly kill a god is to stop people from believing in him, uh, believing in them. So, and that had already been happening because in the focus of the war between all the gods, people were just being demolished in holes. So Kratos uses that to his advantage to kill all the gods, and at the end of the game, he slits his wrist so he can go back and be in Hades one last time with his wife and his daughter. And then there's a final scene where you see the three wise men going towards a star, and it's showing the birth of Christianity, the new religion after all the other gods have been killed. And I think that that's such a cool idea. Every bit of that, and there's so, more than that. so lame to me. <laughs> I think it's cool, but then again, I did a terrible job of explaining it. Go look it up if you actually want to look it up. The reason I say that is because David Joffe sometimes comes off as the guy who, like Cliff Bozinski, he wants to recapture the fame he once had. Well, like, this is so long ago. Well, he got, did you see he was getting reamed on Twitter because he was sitting there criticizing God of War while he was streaming it? And people were, people were literally like, you can't shut up for 10 minutes and enjoy a good game because it's it's not your series anymore. I like people, people, From what I've seen, which again, I, I don't follow him that hard, but from what I've seen, he's been saying that the game is great. So no, has he's that been changed? Saying the, he's been saying the game's great and good, but then like anytime he has like critique, he doesn't just critique it and go on. He, he stops and like, he walks with Kratos and like, this is the level I would design, and he makes a level in a way. Oh, well, I mean, that's a cool idea, but that comes, yeah, down, but, that comes down to this thing of David Jaffe, even back before the internet ex- like, was what it is now, has always been, I'm super vocal with people and just talk about my ideas. Like The fact that we even know what his God of War 3 is or what would have been, he talked about it apparently forever ago. Is interesting because most people just wouldn't do that, but he's always been that way. He's like, "Oh, well, this is a game I wanted to make. Why this is what I wanted to do." Um, you got to think. Originally, he was God of War one, and he was God of War two alongside. He was co-directing it with Barlog. Right. So originally, it was supposed to be his, but then he left off to make his own studio, and but, that's when Stig came into play. So he had originally planned one, two, and three for the most part, and knew where he wanted to take it. So that's why he had that story synopsis. That's the story I want to hear. On like God of War was his creation. Mm-hmm. His baby. Why leave in the middle of the second act? Yeah. And it's weird because he wasn't mad about it or anything. He went and visited. And I remember one of the first things that anybody heard about it was when David Jaffe was visiting Santa Monica way back when all we knew was that God of War 3 existed. Right. There was like a little short teaser. And he was like, the game looks amazing. It's crazy. I thought Gears of War 2 was the best the game could look on console. And holy <laughs> crap. He was saying all this different stuff. But I remember that. And he never said anything bad about it. But David Jaffe's a very interesting creator in that he's very vocal about what he does and how he does it and how he'd choose to do something. I don't think it's a bad idea, but it's it's unique in the industry even by today's standard. He just with what he did with the drawing to life thing, is that mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. that the name of that game? Yeah. Um, Bartleby Jones Detective Agency or whatever the studio was called, it's gone now. Oh uh, <laughs> his his last car his last uh studio was gone too is he reminds he reminds me of Cliff in the sense of like calling when something he gets he makes and it doesn't get reviewed well he's calling out critics on Twitter mm-hmm. and it's like you don't you don't always do that like sure you could not agree with them but don't call them out and talk trash about them because they reviewed your game fairly. Eat and sleep he did play that. was he, his other studio. He, he did that with John to Life, which for those that don't know, John to Life was a free game, right? Didn't it come to PS Plus the first game month it came out? Too? Yes, it would, but it was you could you could buy it, but it was essentially free if you had PS Plus, right? Yes, um, that was part of that time period where Sony did like Kill Strain. There was another Draw game. on the Life, and then some third game that I can't remember the name of. That was all three of them. 
were seem to be trying to tap into that game as a service, continuous going, smaller titles. Was John the Life offering that? Yeah. I played it for like an hour, and I was like, I don't like this game. It was kind of, but I mean, clearly it didn't survive. So, no. Which none of those games survived. Every game that Sony did what like that. was that other game? Because it was weird. I got to really remember, because it was Killstream. I remember Killstream. I remember Drawn to Life. Killstream. Drawn to Life. Because Killstream came out, what, 2016? Yeah. And then there was a third game um, that all of the games got their servers killed very quickly. And I cannot for the life of me think about what it is. Um, and Killstream actually looked fun. It's the weird thing. It was a Sony San Diego title, but it was like a... What do they even call that? It was... A second party, technically? Uh, X-Dev, where oh. bec- Sony Santa Monica, or Sony San Diego, rather, like helped develop it with a studio that was not from Sony, which is something that Santa Monica has done plenty of. They've been an X-Dev studio for a while. Like uh, Sony Santa Monica was an X-Dev studio with, um, on the order. So if you look on the order, yeah. it says San- Sony Santa Monica, because they helped with it. And if you think about it, Sony Santa Monica helped with all the God of War games as well. That um, Ready at Dawn. High right? Velocity. No, it wasn't High Velocity. It wasn't High Velocity. I clicked that too. I really can't remember what it's called now, but it was. I think it was a sequel to something too. But it's been so long. Sony had this long period of just killing games and trying new stuff, which I don't. It's not the worst, I suppose. <laughs> but because at least you tried something different. But anyway, what's I guess what's the point we're trying to build to there, based off of that. Based off of what? You were saying, like, uh, Drawn to Life. I think I technically sidestepped us there, but in Drawn to Life, you were saying that he reminds you of Cliff Blazinski. Oh, yeah, I just don't I don't like it whenever somebody releases a game and then goes to Twitter and, and Reddit and stuff and starts calling out reviewers for reviewing it wrong when it was reviewed fairly. I think that's a very pompous oh, thing. Oh, yeah, I don't like that at all. And that's that's what Cliff Blazinski's did. That's what David Jaffe did with Drawn to Life, even though if he did it to a much smaller scale... Cliff Blazinski was like the one that was like, y'all don't even understand um, Law- lawbreakers. Breakers. Yeah, yeah I was like, like, you what? guys don't understand the game. I'm like, they played it for hours on it and reviewed it. They understand the game. You, don't, I don't think you understand what the game is. Well, and there's that thing where you can say that you don't think someone understood it the way you were hoping for. Like, you know, like, oh, the game didn't hit you the way that I was intending, or you didn't take away from the game what I was expecting. How many ways? But that's, not a, but that's not a complaint of your review is invalid. If anything, what you're saying is, oh, well, that, uh, that's unfortunate because it means that what we were trying to do with the game is, it, it, if nothing else, at least not universally being accepted that way for the most part. If you have a, a bunch of reviewers that are hitting your game saying this, this, and this, and you're like, well, that's not what we intended from this at all then you failed to do what you anticipated is really what it could be. Yeah. And I mean, even then though, it's like how, how many, like how well or to how many different degrees are you supposed to understand a MOBA shooter? <laughs> like it's not like sure. it's, it's a routine based yeah. team. Was it, was lawbreakers a MOBA shooter? Or was it more one of those team shooters? It's a team shooter, I guess. Yeah. That's or, what they're called he- now. What hero, they called? Hero, hero based shooter. Yeah. yeah. Cause is that game even available now? Or? Lawbreakers? I'm pretty sure it got the the service closed down. I wouldn't be surprised. But I mean, I can't say for sure. I think it went free-to-play for a while before it ended up eventually. It, it did. It went free-to-play for now, shutting down in December. Yeah. And then the Radical Heights. Radical Heights was the other one. Yeah. It, that was Wow. Well, Radical Heights wasn't the Sony-made one. Though. No, but that but was, it was the other another one game that got canceled style. that was free. Yeah. Um, so and, my overarching point about all that, though, 
I like David Jaffe. I'll leave it at that. But I like his weird idea, and he's responsible for a lot of games that I love. He was the creator of Twisted Metal as well. Um, <laughs> Their last tweet was in 2018. But where I was going with that is that we saw God of War eventually move off and do Norse mythology. But now, instead of Norse mythology and all these mythologies coming together in one game, they're like, well, well you know, we could just make God of War 3 finish up in Greece and we can still just have it be Greece, and then if we ever decide we want to go to another realm for another set of gods, we can do that in the future. And then we can do three games of that. Then we can do three games in another realm. It's you know, it's where business ideas sometimes meet, but at the same time, I think you're met with that idea that it could be that you don't want to go too big. Because like God of War 2018, clearly I think that we need more time in the Norse world because that game did not need to be rushed and try and introduce a lot of stuff. Cause that game was not about what the other God of Wars were about. It was, this is more of a very tight game about a father and son, right? There's other stuff going on, but that's what it's about. Now the next game I'm sure is probably going to focus more on the, the next- world at large and the problems that are happening now that you have this relationship built. But I also expect that that will continue to be something throughout the games, right? Well, honestly, it probably will be. But I think the beauty of the next game was that it's almost certainly going to be Atreus taking them all on because Kratos will die. See, some people really don't want, or some people didn't want that before the game came out. And Atreus was this unknown. I, I can almost guarantee you that's going to happen. I guarantee you that's going to be the climax of the second game where Kratos dies. Yeah. And at some point in the game, there's going to be a minor time skip or something where Atreus is actually old enough to play as and play as in like a, um, I guess, a more meaningful way. See, because you get this damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing where I shouldn't say that. That's probably a weird way of wording it. But where I'm trying to take this is that something that would be kind of cool would be to see Kratos not necessarily die, but Kratos kind of take on the thing where he's still in the game, but he's weakened and you have to play as Atreus much like you had to play as Ellie um, and kind of flip that back around. Now, the problem is, is at the moment you do that, people are going to say, well, you're just doing what the last of us did. Even if it's a cool idea, the fact that someone else done it sometimes makes it where people think you can't do it. That goes back to the story thing though, of like, it's, it's so cliche to do. Yeah. Like, just do it anyways. But do it and just do it well. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. But I guess where I was to finalize all that off, it's weird to see how sometimes people want to go bigger. And then you'll never know the answer. But was the reason that God of War 3 stayed in Greece only and never went further because the person who ended up taking over and directing just wanted that? Or was it more pressure from the studio to be like, hey, let's not introduce all these. Let's just keep it in Greece so that we have extra fuel if we need to in the future. Now, the only thing that might help that answer for like God of War's sake is that they then continued to make a prequel to God of War that was still in Greece. So was that this them trying to milk more out of Greece before realizing that they had to change if they were ever going to make another one? Or was that, again, somebody thought it'd be a good idea? Hey, let's make another prequel even though we have a ton of them. But in Bungie's case, there's cool ideas, but these constant games, rather, God of War is a stagnant thing where it's, I shouldn't say stagnant, it's set in one place, it releases, and that's it. Bungie continues to evolve and evolve and evolve. And like one of the things that hit me about Destiny 2, and then we'll move on unless, whatever you want to say, but I find it interesting how much, since they've moved to being their own thing, that they're trying to ride this line in a way that feels like they're trying to give people what they want by bringing Destiny 1 content back in the game. 
but in the same way, it kind of just feels like they're getting away with not doing as much as they would have had to. Because like, what have these last two seasons been? Bringing the moon back, and it's basically just the moon with a little bit more to it. What's this season? Uh, what's one of the things that added this season? They did have Europa. That's cool. They got a completely new area, but they also re-added the Cosmodrome back in. Well, actually, I'll say this. Or maybe that was last season. but No, Cosmodrome was this season. Okay, but I think, so. I think it works well with the Cosmodrome because they anticipated many people to start brand new. With new with, light. With new light. And, and new light or starts you light. in the Cosmodrome and, or whatever. Well, too. yeah, with new light will start you there. Or mm-hmm. it actually doesn't even start you there. It starts like you do the first mission as the original game, and then it puts you in the tower. Well, now, there, now it's kind of like Cosmodrome was everybody's in destiny one it's starting area now that's the starting area for this game yeah and that's that's the whole reason why that goofy shaw han guy's in there yeah which is weird too but he's like the blueberry wrangler <laughs> but but the kindergarten across all that it. it's been weird revisiting some of these areas and being like this is cool nostalgia but then at the same time being like but at the same time they didn't do anything it's it's this line between giving people what they want with nostalgia and pulling back in old content in a fresh way but then also feeling like depending on if that doesn't work for you, right? Like if you didn't care for the moon or if you didn't play destiny one and there's no nostalgia there, but you knew it existed. Well, what does that feel like? I don't really know. I think it's just like a kind of cool look back of like, well, the new characters are still getting the start of the cosmodrome. Like I did, you know, six years ago, whatever, whenever it was seven years ago. Um, but I, what I wish they would do is I just don't understand why, other MMOs can get away with being such a big game. And they can't. And they can't. And I don't And that's understand. what I was getting at. You bring back and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that is the core of what I'm talking about. Yeah. They bring back old stuff, but still not completely. But then they also take away stuff within this game and you get in this thing, it's like, why couldn't all that be in this game? I don't get it. And why can't people have been wanting Destiny One content back in, but I don't think everybody meant that they wanted that at the cost of Destiny Two content. Yeah, and that's 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 what I'm getting at is that like I would love Destiny One content to come back. Bring me Vault of Glass back, bring me uh, King's Fall, bring me all the cool raids back. And alongside bring, new ones. Yeah, alongside new ones and alongside old strikes and new strikes. But now there's like a Luke Smith article like two weeks ago or a week ago talking about he doesn't think Nova Warp, the the Warlock Super Void that you roll around in or you, you roll around with a ball and you bust the big bubble out. Mm-hmm. Every, he's like, that doesn't feel very Warlockish. I don't know if that should be in the game. And it's like, shut up. Like he wants to keep, he wants to just start taking crap out because he's like, because they're going to take the new subclass system for stasis and they're going to redesign the old subclasses that way. So they have trees. Like Destiny 1 did. But at the cost of that, he's talking about having to potentially remove stuff so that you can't make broken combos. Like pulling Devour from yeah. uh, bottom tree warlock to top tree or middle tree or something. And he's like, in order to do that, there has to be some sacrifices made. And he's like, when you think of a, of, a, of a Void Warlock, you think of Nova Bomb. You don't think of Nova Warp. So he's like, I don't think that... We, I think we could get away with removing some stuff from the game and not big majest, a majority of the community cares about it. But then he says, because not many people use Nova Warp. Well, that was because they nerfed it into the ground a month after it came out and nobody wanted to use it. Yeah. Which, that's a, that's the thing, too. Active games have to like constantly nerf things, whereas games that don't have that seldom get overpowered stuff patched out because it's just part of the game at that point. Oh, it's and, fun. And Bungie is the worst about over-nerfing certain aspects of the game. Pretty much anything Warlock. Like, because they are the lowest played character. Warlock is the is the hunter is the highest. Then it goes hunter or titan, and then it's warlock. They are the lowest played player base. So if something's broken on hunter, they don't or titan. They don't. They care much much more to get it fixed at a at a longer pace because he's like, let those people have fun with it. It's bringing them back to the game. But if it's broken on warlock, they're just like, we'll fix it right now. 
there's there's something on Hunter that you've probably come across in PvP and you probably didn't understand what happened to you. It's called Shatter Dive. It's where a hunter will jump up, throw a ice wall grenade at, at your feet, and then dive down upon you. Oh yes, yeah. That so that that dive has unlimited cooldowns. You could do that dive as many times as you want. Now, granted, the dive on its own doesn't really do much damage. It's the dive in conjunction with the grenade. Yeah. But there's an aspect you unlock with the class that gives you almost your full grenade back when you do that once. So it's like you kill somebody with a grenade and you shatter dive on top of them, you're probably going to happen again. Oh, and it kills supers. <laughs> so if you're roaming in a super and you get caught in that grenade, you're dead. Yeah. So, who? And that's and then and week one, week one of of Destiny Two Beyond Light, they they nerfed the Warlock melee. And they made it so that the the stasis melee went less than half of the travel distance it does now. Ah, man. See, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, I feel no. like every time I go to play the game, there's a lot of warlocks. Like, And what I should mean by that is... Oh, there is. When we're, like, when we're getting into a raid or something, it seems like everybody's warlock. It's like, how many warlocks do we have? And we'll have, like, four of them. because they're like, the most useful class. It's like, can one of you switch over to, like, a titan? <laughs> that's yeah. Like, normally, that's what it becomes. Can one of you switch to this or this to this? It, it, it's just... Most PvP, like really hard tryhards, are going to be Titans and Warlocks because of stuff they've done with Warlocks in the past. Like Nova Warp used to be so busted in PvP and they got nerfed it. And then when they nerfed it, now everybody's like, you could use the Golden Gun with six shots that gives you super energy back for every kill you get. Yeah. You got the Titan that can, the Behemoth Titan is super, super OP busted in PvP. You can get killed by him and then spawn across map and he'll be halfway back to you. Yeah. And still in super. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, don't get me wrong, the Warlock Super is busted too, but let's get off Destiny. People are like, I'm, yeah. I'm tired of hearing Destiny. <laughs> I thought about that. But uh, before we get along in, we're going to start talking about uh, what we said from the beginning, where we're going to look at some of the games that are coming out next year and kind of look at what we're excited for. And uh, I think that the best way to kind of end this back and bring it back as a community take topic is we'll ask you which ones you are excited for. But before we do that, we'll give a shout out to our episode sponsor, Manscaped. Remember that if you want happy balls, your balls will thank you. Then you can head over to manscaped.com uh, and use code SQRD for 20% off of your first order as well as free shipping. And you know, I got to tell you, it's a great experience. It is. It's a, it's a it's smooth. It it cuts down to where used to I was the worst about getting to a point where I'm like I go a little bit longer because it's just a pain in the ass to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, you get you get you get so comfortable in life and with loved ones, and you're like, I, I you know what? I'm just you may not even you may stop grooming altogether. You may I'm just gonna be sixty seventies self. I'm gonna have like an Osama bin Laden just all the way down. I don't know about that, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this it makes. I think it's a Harold and Kumar joke for some reason. That uh, it makes it super easy to take care of yourself, and not only that, but all the products work phenomenally well. Um, I'll stand by the toner and the deodorant. For me, being an active person, I got to take care of scents and 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 sweats and chafing, as well as the the underwear. The underwear is my favorite. Still one of my favorite things about it. I'm wearing and, it right now. Yeah, I, I was going to, but it's it's in the dirty clothes because I wore it on Christmas. So shout out to Manscaped for giving my Christmas a nice. A little loving, but uh, yeah, like Brett said, if you want to get our uh, Manscaped product at a good discount, head over to manscaped.com, use discount code SQRD, get you 20% off and that free shipping. And remember, your balls will thank you. All right, guys, we got a big year next year. Uh, we're, we're kind of really talking about PS5 games, but a lot of these will end up being multiplat games. <laughs> uh, a lot of these will end up being multiplat games, some of them will end up being. Um, you know, PS4 as well. Who knows? But, and we may end up talking about some that are on Xbox that 
we hope to see migrate over to PlayStation in the next year, uh, like the medium, which I will let Saul talk about whenever we get back. Uh, but there was a trailer recently, at least as far as Sony goes, where they looked and kind of gave a hint towards a lot of things of what to expect next year from PS5. And we got to see a lot of stuff on there. We saw Ratchet and Clank on there, confirmation that it's a PS5 exclusive. We got... Um, Gran Turismo on there and also looks like it's going to be a PS5 exclusive. We know that Horizon's coming and it will be a PS4 and PS5 game. God of War is still out in the either. They didn't really talk about it, but it's supposedly next year and who knows about whether or not it's PS4, PS5, but there's a lot of stuff coming and then we got more stuff as we kind of moved along and got to the Game Awards like we saw Back for Blood and stuff. So there's a lot of games to talk about and a lot of games coming the next year as well as a lot of games that are in this in-between spot where you don't quite know when they're coming as they're still just to be announced. Some of them are coming back around. Some of them got pushed out of 2020. So we're going to be looking at that today uh, and I think... First thing I'll ask is if you listen to this and you think we've missed any title that you think is notice, uh, notable, please shoot it over to us. I'm always looking for something new and interesting to play, and definitely since lately I've been in this lull, I would love to get something different, even if it's something that you're not sure I would like from listening to me. Who knows? Throw it out if you think it's worth it. I think a good example of that is like the uh, Sentinels Aegis Rim or whatever, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim that just came out. Maybe wrong in the name, but... Um, Heard a lot of great stuff about that game. Not traditionally a game that gameplay-wise I think I would like, but I'm excited about it for different reasons, kind of like Octopath. Uh, but a couple games to kind of look at while we're waiting on Saw is uh, Ratchet & Clank A Rift Apart, Back for Blood, as I mentioned. We have Outriders coming, which is that new People Can Fly game that's being published by Square Enix. If you remember, People Can Fly are the people that made Bulletstorm, as well as Gears of War Judgment. So... If you're familiar with them, this is something a little different for them, but also they are very versed in shooter games. So, hey, Saul, you're back. I am. It's almost like you never went away. Um, okay, so I was kind of giving a breakdown of some of the games that are coming, but you know, maybe the better way to do it is just talk about some of the games that we see here that we're excited for or that we think will end up making a big splash. So I think the first one we can go ahead and kind of talk about is Ratchet & Clank, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. Uh, I think... Ratchet and Clank was this where's it gonna hit thing when they first showed it. They showed so much of it that I think a lot of people expected it to be a launch game, and then it wasn't, which would have been interesting if they would have launched both Ratchet and uh, and uh, Spider-Man from Insomniac at launch. But I'm getting this vibe that Ratchet and Clank will be like a February to March game. Man, it's hard to say with Horizon being in the same window normally. Well, yeah, because the original Horizon was a March release as well. Yeah. So Did they follow that? or I, I'm not sure. It's like we just saw the first Horizon trailer back when, what was that, a year ago? Roughly? No? No, it was when PlayStation 5 was announced. <laughs> yeah, so we, it's been about six months now yeah. that we've seen the first trailer. And we don't know how far along they are at all. It's almost like the other game they showed. What was that? Uh, the game that was running with like a couple 8K textures? And I can't think of what it was now. It was like, it was a tech demo, but it was really cool looking. Pragmata? Yes. No, what? no. Is that, pra- is that what it was? The one that showed the guy in the almost dead space looking suit? No. It was, is it, it was like the first tech demo they showed of PS5. It was the girl, and she was like walking through like a desert, 
Uh, oh, K- yeah. Okay, you're, you're talking about the Unreal Engine. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, that was the Unreal Engine 5 yeah, demo. Yeah, demo. That's what it was. Yes. Um, but, you know, we don't know if it's going to look like that or if it's going to look better, worse. Like, we don't know anything about the game, really, other than it's a 2021 title, supposed, supposedly. So, we're talking about Horizon? Yeah. So, where does Horizon and Unreal come together? Are you just kind of... No, I'm just using that game display as, like, we don't know if it's going to look as good as that or worse. Or, like, you would think with, with Horizon... With cross-gen. Yeah. You would think with Horizon being Horizon and it being cross-gen, we're going to get it within the first six months. Right? I think so. I'm, I've, I've had it to where, in my mind, we get it before June. Or we get it by June, like in June at the latest. I could see that. You know, um, the thing about it is we, you were talking about like looks-wise, right? You know, and that, it's not that looks are the most important thing. The first Horizon was a beautiful game, yes, but it was just very fun. And the way it let you kind of freely go about playing it, much like Days Gone. Days Gone looks really good on PS5, and that's great. But Days Gone is a great game because of gameplay more than anything. Gameplay and seamless world design. Well, that's what Horizon gets you too, but it's it's tough to ignore what Horizon looked like when it came out. Yeah. Because it, it was phenomenal looking. And I think the big thing about that is anybody who has played Death Stranding, even if it's been a lot later, uh, one of the things that Chris had shot over to me was, holy crap, Death Stranding looks crazy as a PS4 game. I said, yeah. Yeah. It does look crazy as a PS4 game, and it's made on the same engine as Horizon. Now, a lot of the improvements that happened from Kojima, excuse me, and Guerrilla working on that engine in tandem means that if they were able to get Death Stranding to have multiple cities and look the way that it did on PS4, when originally for Horizon they were saying that engine limitations and system limitations were keeping them from having more than one major city right in the first game and that they originally wanted to do more you know it's like do they did they have to kill that or by having someone else co-develop this engine with them like kojima did did they break past that and find a way to have multiple big cities in a ps4 game and push to look like death stranding did because you don't think about it but two years went between horizon and death stranding and i think horizon's still a gorgeous game Death Stranding looks a lot better. Yeah, it does. Like I could definitely see that for sure. So if that can be a PS4 game with a huge scale, why can't Horizon? And that's actually a good thing for all the people that look at the Xbox ideology of within reason you're supposed to be able to just say, hey, take the game and just scale it down for to keep it on PS4, but then push even further on PS5 like you would on PC. But the weird argument for that is always coming down to the thing of, even PC games have a minimum. You know, people be like, well, on PC, you can have it play on this system or this big, great one. Yeah, but then you have games on PC that their bare minimum requirements are a lot higher than what a lot of people have. So does that? do you run into that with console? Probably. Yeah. I mean... Because what you're asking, what you're asking is for a seven-year gap in technology. How many PC games do you know that still run on seven-year-old tech? Just because they're a sliding scale does not mean every PC game runs on tech that was seven years ago. Cyberpunk certainly doesn't. Cyberpunk's a bad example because it's not a very well, you know, optimized game, even though it's best optimized on PC. But Horizon on PC doesn't run on seven-year-old tech realistically. The minimum you might specs. Be hard, you might be hard pressed though, because like in a way, I would think your your graphics card could probably push that game pretty well, and your graphics card's fairly old. Yeah, my graphics card's five years old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it five years old? Yeah. The RX R90? 
or two ninety or whatever. Uh, it was the R three ninety X. Oh, I thought they gave. I thought that graphics card was like six or seven years old. I could be way behind on it, but I don't. I thought it was a twenty uh, sixteen or twenty fifteen release. See, because I thought you had that graphics card at the same time I built my the jank rig that I had that was like with cardboard held the hard drive up. <laughs> it was a twenty fifteen. Okay. Yeah, so it's five years old. Um, but yeah, I mean that stuff comes around. But what impact does it have? Uh, but going back to Ratchet, I mean I think Ratchet's a great tech showcase for the game. I think it. I guess a one way to kind of say is I think the first Ratchet was also a great showcase for PS4. Um, but thinking like Ratchet and like The Order, where it's a big tech showcase of something that you can only do on PS5, yeah, uh, d- due to the way that it's built, and that's a good thing to have as early as you can get. See, honestly, I think that, like you said, it's going to be a good, not I don't want to say tech demo, but it's going to be a good game to show off the capabilities of the console. Yeah, that's the best I word. think that, that that's why it's important to get it out earlier than later. So yeah. I, I, I would think it would be from May to January, in that from January to May in that release window. Yeah, February or March is still where my where I'm kind of aiming. I think Sony will play this one close to the chest, kind of like we did with uh, God of War, where we didn't have a release date until about a, a month out from release. Yeah. So I could see that happening again. I think Sony may try and keep that stuff as close to their chest as possible. Uh, but Well, speaking of God of War, do you actually think we'll see that this year? God of War is a hard one. I or think next so. next year, I guess. I think so, but the fact that they were so to the chest with God of War 1's release date, and then brazen enough to say that God of War 2, whatever you want to call it, uh, the next God of War is going to be a for sure 2021 game. It's bold. It is. But my, that's three years. That's, that's not a bad development cycle. It's not, but it doesn't seem like enough time either. We're jumping next generation. That's the one thing that gets me is that I'm not sure if three years is enough time jumping from next generation. Now, obviously, it's going to be a lot less time than from development because they're going to have a lot of assets they're going to use over and over again. Sure. That they don't have to worry about creating. And but, then suddenly it feels more next gen just from having something set up. Like, do you remember because they wanted to keep the single cut camera that God of War had that weird fast travel system where like you'd open a door and then run around in that little blue space until yeah, the door it was like opened? An elevator. It was like a, it was like an elevator through time. Yeah, <laughs> cool idea. It was, but it was still annoying when you were like, okay, I've been in here for like forty five seconds. Just go ahead and open the door because yeah. it doesn't even matter where I go. It would be cool. Like it feels next gen enough if when you go to fast travel you open that door, walk through, and then you see the other door already open. I like the idea of traveling through that from like a lore standpoint. I'm fine with them keeping it in there as long as you don't have to randomly run around until the other door opens. See, one of my favorite, so that feels next gen. One of my favorite things and is a good example for that is that I can't wait for the day in which video games are going to be open and close environments and no loading at all. Like we said that, or no, no distinguishable transition at all. Yeah. And like, I think that like we, like we were promised that with PS five games and I'm sure we'll see some of that, but like even with demon souls, you still get the little wisp of the fog gate that covers the screen. So you're not 100% taking it over. But one of my favorite examples is in Skyrim. There's a mod called open cities where you just open the doors and everything's there. Yeah. And it's that I can't wait for. See what I love is when games have a, reason to have the style of which they use for transition like we you talk about demon souls i think i said it a week or two ago where demon souls has this feeling of even though you're technically right there's this transition but the way you go about it is you're touching a gate and then going forward so it feels like you're doing it and all that happens is, is that fog rises and falls and you're back in you've loaded into the game in like two seconds right no i'm not so saying it, it is quick 
it's not seamless, but because of the lore of that game, it makes sense. It makes sense. Whereas yeah. Skyrim, it always felt weird that suddenly it put you on a loading screen. Yeah, but see, whereas Skyrim, you would want exactly what you're talking about. You open the gate, and it just opens. Right. Yeah. That that it'd, it'd be cool. Like if they remade Bloodborne, like because because in Demon Souls, like if you travel to the Nexus, you still get that small loading screen. Like, but it'd be cool. Is that if you didn't get it at all? Like if it like literally like they came up with some way to make it happen perfectly. Because that old school loading screen is still back in the game, right? Where it's like you get like pictures of the monks. That's not there at all? No. I swear I was watching somebody play it and it was there. It's not there at all. So like when you go to the Nexus, how like, is it instantaneous? Same as if you go anywhere else. Fog rises, fog lowers, and you're there. Okay, so I'm thinking something else then, obviously. Because I, I, you, I know what you're talking about. Like, well, you see like the monk, which is actually the... Uh, the for whatever they're called the yeah, the, the people but yeah you you would see like cards about lore throughout the right. game and no those aren't there anymore I swore they were there maybe it's like maybe it's when you first learned the game for the first time maybe I mean I, we can I go show you <laughs> when we get done I, <laughs> well I said I don't believe you but I'm, just, I'm now I'm confused on what I saw yeah because that game is what I feel like is the epitome of next gen because you're going to all these different places and they all feel huge. And like, even back in the day, do you remember like you would see the fog gate and you'd hit it and it would load you into it that next cut, phase? It'd be an actual yeah. cut, cut. Yeah. Uh, that's gone. Like, you know, you see that fog gate yeah, and I knew all that it is is just to make you touch it. But yeah, it's, it's weird being able to travel through all those things. And a lot of demon souls and all dark souls games have got fairly large environments. Yeah. Demon souls is the outlier and that it's the only one that you can't just go to. You know, every, it's set up from a lore standpoint that these are five separate art zones. So these are almost like five different realms. And you're in the, you know, you're in the Nexus and it connects you to all these different realms seamlessly. Whereas all the other games are like, well, you're just in the world. And this world is where you're going. And you can travel to and from these different touch zones. But yeah, I think fast travel is going to be a real weird thing for next gen. And that's something that with something like God of War and with something like Horizon, I really hope to see just pushed to where it's so far Spider-Man is the, is the craziest in a fully open world game that I've seen, like a sandbox style open world game where you do it. And then like 0.8 seconds, you're walking out of the subway. I'm, I'm excited for that. It's, it's crazy, but even destiny, this goes to show you that third party games, I think are still going to be the, the outliers. Whereas destiny, I don't think is going to be not to say they couldn't do it, but destiny. I don't think taps into the full potential of the PS five, SSD because they're making a singular version of the game as much as possible to where the Xbox Series X is, is the lowest common denominator for next-gen systems, so they just base everything off that, which is still fine. Right. Getting to the tower in three to seven seconds, depending on where you're coming from, is a massive step up from the 45 seconds to a to minute. To a minute, yeah. yeah. So it, but it's something that goes to show you. To Saul, where are you at on Back for Blood? I remember in high school... Before we were like real big friends, but we knew each other and like talked. I remember that you were a Left 4 Dead fan. Yeah, I, I'm excited for Back for Blood. I just I don't know how how excited. Like I don't know if it's gonna be one of those things of like I'll play for a month and then never play again. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna have any longevity to it in terms of development. So I'm I'm really kind of iffy on that because it looks super. It looks super honest to what it is. Did you play Evolve? No. Okay, but Evolve was them, and that's why I say... Yeah, that's... But then again, I will say this. The trailer for this game and the gameplay that you can watch, um, it looks good. It looks like Left 4 Dead, and... It looks like Left 4 Dead 3 in all but name. I don't like Left 4 Dead 3 that much. 
Left 4 Dead 2 is, you know, because I mean? well, they never right. made I didn't three. like Left 4 Dead 2 that much. Yeah. I thought Left 4 Dead 1 was the best. See, and I think this gets into the thing, and everybody does it. You get this idea of who you love and why you love them, and then you think, just because this developer is still the same by name, are they even the same by what they do? Well, that's the thing with Elden Ring for me. It's like, I, we were proved wrong, or at least to an extent, with CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk, because you would think that Cyberpunk would never, or CD Projekt Red would never do something like that. Look at what they how they handled The Witcher. But then you see this happen, and you're like, oh. And you see all the negative press on like the, the CEO saying that it runs fine on base consoles. No, it doesn't. And all this other stuff. It's like, well, what about the same? Like, could Miyazaki pull a fast one on us? And Elden Ring be like a turn-based like space pirate game? I get what you mean, but I think more of the spirit of what I was saying is that the team as a whole and then the creative lead is a big, strong reason as to why things come together the way they do. Well, that and, and stockholders and all that other sure. stuff. But what I mean is like at least from the creative and end product side, stockholders play a part, but you know, good, strong companies for the most part – should have little stock because the reason that you should want to buy into a company from stock and be a big stockholder is because you believe in what they're doing and have seen their success by letting them do what they want to do. That is the ideal world of it. It's not always the case, clearly. But let's just say something like Back for Blood. Okay. When did Left 4 Dead 1 come out? 2008? Seven, maybe? 2006? I mean, it, it was an early game for 360. I remember that. 2008, wow. 2008, okay. So, 2008. Maybe Orange Box 2006. That's the one that you liked, right? Yes. All right. Left 4 Dead 2 has come out since then. Evolve has come out since then. Back 4 Blood's coming next. All right. This will be their third game since the one that you liked, if, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I liked Left 4 Dead 2. I just didn't like it as much. Okay, but okay, even, then, even then, right? You're basing your love for these people, and you see, oh, Back 4 Blood, and it's the type of game that I remember them being good at, and it's all these things, but... This is not the same team in any shape or form, probably. I don't even know if it's the same creative lead. So what you have, and this is a thing that happens in music too, where you're always kind of in this balance between wanting to be what you were and what people loved and people wanting you to be what they loved about you, but then also doing something new without the weight. And I feel like the weird thing about Back for Blood is that they're asking for people it's it's a it's a really strong risk because either they knock it out of the park and people love them and they, they're right back to what they used to be where Turtle Rock is like the studio and they make a ton of great games and have great people or by drawing and begging the comparison to Left 4 Dead 3 by making what, what people hoped would be Left 4 Dead 3 by doing it this way, you're left with the potential to really just make people go, you were supposed to make Left 4 Dead 3 and you didn't. Because you've made a game that should have been an all but name Left 4 Dead 3. So you you risk two very extreme opposites, I feel like. Yeah, well, I mean, I also never had that kind of mentality either. Like, I, I, I mean, I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I guess at the same time worried that like, this game will capture kind of like what Left 4 Dead 2 for me was, which was like a, a month or a half of two months of playing. Sure. And that was kind of it, where I played Left 4 Dead 1 a lot more than that. Like, almost, I played Left 4 Dead 1 almost as much as I played Borderlands 1. Sure. And I played Borderlands 2 a lot more than that, obviously. But it's just weird. It's kind of like how I've never played Borderlands 3. And I love Borderlands 2. It's just like, I don't think it's going to capture me like it did back then. So, for this, I'm excited for it, but it's not something I'm going to play or get when it comes out. I will get it later on. To simple, to, I guess to simplify my overarching point for anyone listening who just may still not. All I'm saying is that it's it's like expecting 
Naughty Dog to make a game that is essentially Jack and Daxter, and then why would they? Why would it even end up that? Why would way? they go it's not back the same that, studio? Yeah, it's, would, it's because it's even though it's the same studio in name, it's not the same studio in leadership or even in people who are working on the games, and you see that happen often. You know, so it's just. It, the ideal situation for Back for Blood, and then we can move on, would be that it taps into what people liked about Left for Dead enough to pull them towards it, but then does something new enough. Like I actually think Destiny has done for Bungie. I don't early days, no, but by the time where we are now, I think Destiny has ultimately been Bungie pulling people in and doing the things that people like them for right. with a new twist. And yeah. you, I mean, you see that now because even though a lot of the people that made Halo aren't at Bungie. A lot of people that worked there were fans of Halo, and that's why you see Halo. I mean, uh, you see Destiny almost always have these Halo-like missions, like in Shadowkeep. You start where you have to go get in the tank and then shoot the thing. Right. I honestly hate those because I always thought that they were bad in Halo as well. Oh, but so fun! I know every time that they come up, you're like, "Oh yeah, this is what I love." Yeah, so I do. Yeah, I already know where you are on this. Outriders? Nope, absolutely not. I couldn't be any less excited for a game. I would love for that game to come out and do really well and just be something great. Good for it, but I don't but think it, it doesn't. Will. It doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me either. It's so generic. It, this looks like like the cover art for it reminds me of Saints Row the Third. <laughs> it's the same thing, the same color palette, oh. the same characters just walking into the cover art. Sure, it just it just looks so generic to me. Again, I hope it ends up being something good, but you know what I get the feeling of? I get the feeling of that game that Square Enix came out with that was the continuation of Front Mission Evolved, and I can't even remember the name of it as the, as the downside. Um, and some people were excited because it had the Metal Gear artist who did the cover art for it. I think it was Square. Um, I know what you're talking about. It came out, I think, this year. But... What's it called? Last something? It's going to kill me that I can't think of what it's actually called. Um, let's see. Last Sp- stand? Spiritual successor. Because it was... I like the kind of art stuff that they did for it, and I could be wrong on the Met game. Left Alive. Left Alive. That's it- what it was called. It came out in 2019. Cause isn't I'm trying to think of Yoshi Shiro Yoshi isn't that his name for Metal Gear Solid art something like that, um, but he did the cover art for it and a lot of people were excited and then it came out and it was kind of just a man game you know, but I get those kind of vibes from it. There's yeah. something about the way it looks. Yoshi is his name. I was close. That is very, like you said. Oh yeah, I remember this game. Uninspired looking. I guess I shouldn't say uninspired because it's clearly inspired by something, but it just, I don't know. Again, I hope to be proven wrong, but it doesn't look unique in a way that's compelling to me. It doesn't look bad. Did this game get bad reviews or something? Yeah, very mediocre. A lot of fives and sixes out of tens, which I mean, again, doesn't mean it's a terrible game. You could play it and enjoy it and that's good, but it didn't light the world up by any means. And I think that any game developer that's putting a game out right now is not looking to put a game out that's a five. Right. You know what I mean? Seven and sixes are different, but fives... I think five is the cutting line for most people. Let's just look, because Metacritic, as much as I don't like it as a thing to look at, Metacritic, at least throughout the industry, is something that people look at. Oh, my God. Its Metascore is 37. Who? That's the critic Metascore? That's the critic. What's the user Metascore? 8.2. Wow. 
Wow, not that's so, a not big so bad. difference. Yeah. But my point being is that when they're putting out a game, they want the people who are reviewing it to do better than this. This would be considered a critical failure, and nobody wants to be in the business of putting out critical failures. That's true. Thankfully, the user score is higher. So if you enjoy Left of Left Alive, that's awesome. I, well, I almost always go by user score on that thing anyways. Way smarter to do. I agree. But either way, that's where you are. Uh, next thing up, I know that you're not too big in the Gran Turismo games, but Gran Turismo 7 is supposed to be coming, and it, it's going to be a PS5 exclusive as well if that video goes to tell anything. Um, I'm excited for that, but I know Saw isn't too much. I'm excited to see how it comes back to Gran Turismo in the more series standpoint, where sport was like, here's a game, and it's going to be Gran Turismo in a lot of ways, but it's also going to be focused on different things than the mainline entry. So coming back to more of what you'd expect, and how do you push that forward? I haven't played a Gran Turismo mainline entry, which there's only been one since then. I played five last. Six came out as like a very late PS3 game. I think it even came out when the, either the same year as PS4 or maybe even after PS4 was out. Yeah. Um, and then Sport happened. So it'd be cool to see them come back because they went an entire generation without a new mainline entry on that console. Yeah. So uh, Hitman 3. Nope. Where, where have you felt about Hitman in general? J- Hitman's not bad. It's just that's very... Like, hey, if this game's free on PS Plus, I'll play it. Yeah. I think it's weird because whenever IO got, like, bought themselves out to where they could be an independent studio again, and then they immediately are like, but we want Hitman. That's, that's cool. If that's what they wanted to make, that's cool. But I'm so glad that they have at least announced plans to do something different with that 007 game. Because yeah. I just, it seems like. That's the one I'm keeping my eye on. It would be like, and I know this sounds bad, and I know people probably wanted this. Like Goldeneye. But it would be like Bungie back whenever they broke off and did their own thing from Microsoft all those years ago. But then they tried buying Halo from Microsoft and then just only made Halo games for the rest of their career. It's a little bit of what I'm worried about right now where I feel like Bungie may only make Destiny for the foreseeable future. And I would like to see any studio now they have another, their legs a little bit more than they that. They have another game in development right now. I've heard, but I just I'm hoping it that it actually comes out. Might be a mobile game. And I'm also a little bit worried because it's the one that they started doing after they got that 10 cent money. Yeah. So how. That's why I said it might be a mobile game. Who knows what it is, <laughs> but it could be a mobile game or it could be a game that is very driven. That's the thing. I don't like Tencent buying into everything, but I wonder how much of a hand they actually... I wonder how much they push that. No, like, I'm curious. Eh, who Best knows? gotcha games. Gotcha games? What do you mean? Where they were like, we're going to do this, and then it's a sudden like, shift? Like you were talking about with Miyazaki? No. Um, gotcha. Let me make sure if I'm correct on this. Yes. It is a game that... It, okay, so do you know what... Um, you know how in Dragon Ball Z... They have little capsules that make machines. That's based off of capsule toys. That's what gotcha games are. So it's like, it's weird. I can't really explain it other than that. Capsule toy vending machines. So it's like literally you're just just getting... It's like a collectible kind of game. And it's meant like, okay, Genshin Impact is a gotcha game. Because it wants you to collect all the characters in it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It'd be weird to call Pokemon a gotcha game, but I think it technically is a gotcha game. In the very weirdest of way? Yeah, like, every, like, uh, like, like, um, Genshin Impact, Marvel Strike Force, Raid Shadow Legends, there's a lot of characters in that game. Like, even Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, I forgot that came out. So it's like Smite along that as well? No, because that's not, 
I wouldn't consider it that because it's not. That's not the lure behind the game is to get these characters. Sure, it's okay. to play it. Yeah, because I'd be like Overwatch kind of makes me think that too. But you don't have to get them. What you is, only play as one you want. Pokemon Masters. I don't know. Huh. Interesting. Um, near a replicant. <laughs> Is that supposed to be a gotcha game? No, I'm just saying. Where, where are you? Are you even excited for that game? I don't think you are. Replicant? Yeah. Nah, I'm lo- isn't that the mobile ripoff of uh, Automata? <laughs> like, isn't that what they like? They took Automata's cutscenes and like they just put it in a mobile game, and they gave you like a new character to pay fifty dollars to play as. <laughs> could, I'm, I'm making. Could somebody, you imagine? I'm making somebody really mad. Could you imagine? Uh, no, I'm excited for that. You that's, know, that's, speaking of that, that's a big game. That's not even a PS5 game, uh, though. I would. I, would love to see because you know they're supposed to be made. What's the difference in how it runs on PS5 versus PS4? Yeah, I'm sure there's some thought put into it, um, but that's that's one of my most anticipated RPGs of the year. How that, do you feel while we're talking about mobile games about the reincarnation, the mobile game that they're doing for Nier? I haven't played it. I mean, heard about it. Yeah, yeah. There, there. It's. I don't it's know nothing about. Gonna it. have a story and a bunch of stuff. I think that the people I, making it may be actually the people who are making Replicant. I can't remember, but. Next thing, there's a couple. I'm going to put loop these together because these are two really interesting ones. The two Bethesda exclusives, uh, timed exclusives, but exclusives nonetheless. They're exclusive for a year is what we've learned. How do you feel about Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo? I am really excited for both of them. Ghostwire Tokyo, not so much. Deathloop, 100%. Deathloop looks awesome, and I know more about that studio. And I and when I'm watching it, it feels like an evolution of what Dishonored brought, but in a new trapping. And I love that. And then the basic premise of going through and repeating time over and over again to change stuff. It's kind of like you're bringing Majora's Mask into little scenarios. And I like that. I thought the you know some people hated Majora's Mask because of the time mechanic. I think that's that depends on how you feel about Majora's Mask. Do you like redoing the same things with minor differences to see how the outcome changes or not? <laughs> Who knows? Like do you replay games? games? That I guess that's the thing. Do you replay games that are like, um, which I don't normally because it's a little too much of an investment. But if that's the crux of the game, I'm cool with it. Like I don't want to replay. Let's see, Cyberpunk immediately. I should say, like I will replay Cyberpunk eventually, but I don't want to replay Cyberpunk immediately just to see how my decisions change things. I'd rather just speaking of that, there's somebody on the, different. I saw on the front page of Reddit on the Red Dead Redemption subreddit. It made it to the front page of actual Reddit, and um, they were like, every, for, since I've gotten this game, I have started it and restarted it seven times, one after another. Like, not, he's been playing nothing but this game. Ugh. No, that's nothing against the game. That's crazy. It's, how do you do that? I really need to finish that game up, but once again, is it going to get any PS5 enhancements? Who knows? Yeah, Ghostwire is the, on the, out of these two games, is the one that, much like you, I'm excited for it because it looks cool, but... I don't have any love for um, what is a what is what is a developer called now? I can't think of it. Um, they're behind the evil within <laughs> Tango Gameworks. Yeah, um, I don't know how I feel about them. And because I didn't love the Evil Within one and didn't play the Evil Within two, and then this doesn't even look like the Evil the Evil Within in a good way. It kind of looks like Dishonored and Bioshock is the weird part of it. It does. It looks. It looks unique, but I don't know much about it. That's why I can't be super excited for yeah. it. And I feel like they've shown more about Deathloop than they have Ghostwire. I guess I know they have, 
we've gotten pretty in-depth trailers about what death loop is about and how it, what it's supposed to do they yeah they'll say they definitely have but we don't know a lot about ghostwire so i would assume that death loop is probably first half of the year and then if uh ghostwire is next year it's probably latter half I would, yeah, that's a safe assumption. Seems fair. I can't. I don't think they'd launch one after another. Sure. Uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits. This one got pushed back. It was originally going to be this year, and then it got pushed back. I think this looks amazing. Yeah, I, I am in that boat of like, this is one of the most unique-looking games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I would really love for this game to do really well, and then Sony kind of continue to put to try and do things with this it's going to be a time exclusive i think if from everything that we can tell it is coming to pc so it's going to be a timed console exclusive it might end up being a full-on console exclusive but i just i doubt it um but regardless this game does something that i want to see more games do and we saw a little bit of it with ratchet and clank where you're seeing games that almost look like cgi movies i love the cgi movie look and there's something about when a game can hit that that almost feels better than when a game's trying overly hard to hit realistic. Like when a game hits realism in a way that's well, it is cool, but there's something about a game that just decides to go all in on looking like an animated movie and then succeeds. And it looks and it plays well in that look. Too. Yes. Because like the big thing about animated movies is that all of their rendering and why they look the way they do is because of post-processing. This is a, it's already being rendered out with its absolute best games are doing all of this in real time. So when a game can actually do something in real time that rivals what you expect to see, it's kind of like a lot of the scenes in Kingdom Hearts 3 did really, really good at approximating an animated movie. Toy Story's world in Kingdom Hearts 3 blew me away because of how much it made me think of exactly what Toy Story looks like, but they were doing it all in real-time rendering. Right. And that's really awesome. So the more you can do that, and I think PS5 is going to be a big push towards that because uh, you need a lot of fidelity, and it's real impressive to see what they can do here. And also... Keen is going to be cool because it's kind of showing the differences between when you put a game on PS4 and PS5. Have you seen what they talked about with on PS5? You'll be able to see all of the little, um, or at least pretty much all of the little spirit things that she has falling around yeah. her. On PS4, there's a limit just because you have the, the inventory, but you can only see a couple of them actually bouncing around due to just system limitations and this is also going to be an interesting game to see whether or not they were blowing smoke or not on their you start the game and you're immediately into it because a lot of people were like well it's probably not true uh but we don't know and i'm real curious to see what this is you know what was weird is that there's a there's a movie coming out uh from disney that makes me think of this when i saw the trailer like a couple months back, a month or two ago. I, was I like, think I know what you're That looks about. like Kena. Yeah. It's made by the people who did Moana. It was like from the same creative director. I can't remember what it's called right now, but it gave me huge vibes of Kena. Is it a Pixar movie? Uh, I, or is it? No, it's, it's a Disney animated studios. Um, and if you're curious in it at all, it's, it's coming soon. I know it's from the people that made frozen Raya and the, uh, yeah. Raya and the last dragon. It kind of gives me this vibe of Kina meets Kubo and the Two Spirits, or whatever Kubo the Stream. What is it, Kubo? I never watched it, but I remember wanting to. You're asking the wrong person. But it's a claymation game. It's uh, Kubo and while, the Two Strings. While we're here, how do you feel about Lightyear? Lightyear. Yeah, the Buzz Lightyear movie that Chris Evans is voicing Buzz Lightyear. No, what? Yeah, it is. Okay, so you know how in the Toy Story universe, Buzz Lightyear is a toy based off of a real person in the yeah. universe. It is about that real person. But it's still animated? 
I don't know. I don't, I, it's 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 Chris Evans being Lightyear though. It's, it's him being the astronaut that the toy is based off of. I am, okay. While we're talking about games, <laughs> Far Cry Six. Here's the weird thing about Far Cry Five. We both enjoyed it. We both, but did. not as Far Cry games. Yeah, like I, I'm not excited for Far Cry Six at all. For whatever reason, like I like Far Cry Five a lot, but like it's just I just don't feel like playing it or a Far Cry game ever again right now. I'm just done with it. My worry is that it's going to be more and more Ubisoftified, where it's going to end up being this like RPG game. And I don't say and I hated it, but the Far Cry game that they did, um, Far Cry New Dawn, which was the follow-up to Five, was yeah. actually a better game than Five. And I think in some ways it was a little more Far Cry than Five was. But in the same thing across the board, it just, I don't know. Far Cry seems to have lost the magic that once made me love it. Like when I think of Far Cry, and this is true of everything, but I think of Far Cry 2 and 3. But even then, 4 comes into mind and Primal come into mind way before 5 do. Like I think 4 and Primal are amazing games. Five is a good game, and I did enjoy it. But the more time passes, the less fondly I look back on it. And I don't. That's very odd. I, I'm excited because I like Giancarlo Esposito. He's or Esposito, I think is how you say his name. But he he's great, and I want to see what they do. And then there's this constant pull of is this a tie-in to Far Cry Three? And if so, they have Super a chance obvious. of they have a chance of pulling me more into it if they do it well. But I don't know. I'm I'm torn. I'm. Uh, it's to the extent of I don't know if I'd buy this day one unless they show me something that tells me why I need to play this day one. Yeah, because so far we've only gotten a CGI trailer that was done well, but it didn't motivate me at all to play the game. Me or me either. It just motivated me to see if this is actually supposed to be Voss or not. Yeah, I have a feeling it is. But at the same time, this could be trickery. <laughs> it could be. It could be that kid dying in like the first hour and a half of the game. I don't know. I'm so curious. It just bothers me. I guess the upside I can give them is that they they have me curious. Yeah, they have me. They have me curious enough that I'll pay attention to it, but I probably won't do anything about paying attention to it. I think this would be the thing where if what they show me just looks more of like Far Cry Five and New Dawn, I will probably play it. But much like I did with New Dawn, where once it's like twenty bucks, I'll play it. Yeah, because I think that Five was a fine game. It's just not what I wanted from far cry anymore so it gets to this point of i will continue to play them because they were fun but not to the extent where i feel like i have to have them day one anymore yeah i think that's a, that's honestly a good thing for or that's a thing for me with almost every game nowadays like i think i think my next foray is going to be demon souls followed by probably persona 5 royal i think i want to try that out yeah p5 royal is coming up on my radar too so we'll see what, what ends up happening there we've already talked about god of war 2 but Here's the bigger thing. Do you think it's going to be called God of War Ragnarok? How do you think they're going to name it? Do you think they're going to call it God of War 2? Or do you think they're going to try and skip that? They're going to skip that. They're going to name it something else, but I don't think it's going to be Ragnarok. I think that they'll do essentially what it was. Okay, the best way to describe it is like the God of War side games. I think that they'll try and do it where instead of putting a number around it and trying to confuse people more of like, which God of War 2 are you talking about? Which I think that already happened with God of War. Everyone has to refer to it as God of War 2018. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to try and avoid that and just say God of War Ragnarok. I always wished Uncharted would have done that. Like, what is it? why does it need to be called Uncharted 4, A Thieves' End? Why can't it just be called Uncharted, A Thieves' End? 
what's the point of giving it a moniker if you're still going to give it a number? It's like Destiny. Why is it called Destiny 2 Beyond Light? Just call it Destiny Beyond Light at this point. I, I agree with that too. But I guess a better example would be like if they made all of the Indiana Jones movies. Instead of, instead of it being Indiana Jones and uh, the Temple of Doom or whatever, it's just Indiana Jones 2 or 3 or 4 yeah. and then whatever. Like If it was Indiana Jones 4, the Crystal Skull or whatever, why are you even calling it the Crystal Skull? I'll just call it Indiana Jones 4. I've still never seen any Indiana Jones movies. Really? Yeah, not a one, not a single one of them. I think you would actually enjoy them. I don't know that you would. I think it's way too late now. Where I don't know if you'd see them for what people who are huge fans would. I'm not a huge fan of them either. I think they're good movies, but I'm not like some. Isn't Raiders so good? You know, it's like it's a good movie. I enjoy it. But um, okay. This one's interesting because I never played the original, but I know a couple people who are diehard fans of it. One of them being Liam. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Never played the original either. When they showed it at that Microsoft thing that was got a lot of complaints for not showing enough gameplay, Yeah, I was mildly interested because of the visual aspects, but I'm like, what is this game? I really want to know because if it's a vampire RPG, I might be very down for this. But because I don't know, I'm in this in-between where I don't know how I feel. Grand Theft Auto V coming back around next year. I, I'm so tired of Grand Theft Auto V. I'm glad for people who play it, and I'm glad that it still exists. And it does sound like they're going to start having their Grand Theft Auto uh, online updates be more story-based. Yeah. Oh. You know how much they cost? Two fifty-nine, wasn't it? 125 But they're only available in size 6 through 10. <laughs> i back out of here, then. All right, so a couple other ones that are supposed to be coming around. Lord of the Rings Golem. Nope. I have no clue where I where I land on this. This game has, um, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this game has Andy Serkis um, helping direct like the cutscenes and different things. Couldn't care. But I don't know. Because if I'm, I think this is supposed to be the one that's more of like a Telltale style Lord of the Rings game where you're going to go through and make decisions. But I think that this one's going to end up being where even if it's a good game, it's going to be touchy to people who are really, really diehard Lord of the Rings and Tolkien fans because by giving you the ability to make decisions, you are playing all sorts of games with canon. So this can't be canon. Well, the moment you say it's canon, if they do, is when people are going to attack. Don't forget, though, um, Tolkien stuff I don't think has to – like anybody can make Tolkien stuff and can be considered canon. Yes, I mean, we saw that happen with the Shadow of Shadow, War. Yeah, yeah, which, or Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. Didn't make sense, but it's canon in some parts. <laughs> to, to a degree. Uh, Resident Evil 8 Village is a big one coming next year. I am excited because I like 7, but I'm a little burned out on Resident Evil. I wish it wasn't every year. Give me Here's my wish with the Resident Evil franchise. Give me 7, so give me a first-person game, with forest atmosphere in a snowy mountain region. That's kind of what Resident Evil 8's I know. Saying, that's what so. I'm hoping it is. So give it to me and give it to me well, Capcom. I'm excited, but I I, I just uh, slightly burnt out. That's all it is. And I already know the story beats from 7, so I don't know if I'll end up playing Oh, you didn't play 7? Yeah, I didn't play it. I got R- the ending. Really good game, though. I got the ending spoiled for me. The ending was cool. Yeah, the, I, across the board, I think you'd enjoy 7, but I get not wanting to play it when you know. That's something about the Resident Evil games for me is that, like, I don't know. I knew what the story two happened, but two well, was the, a fun game. Yeah, the, I was gonna say the story doesn't necessarily matter, like in that context of like motivate me to play. But I feel like for once, I was like, I really wanted to see what the story was about, and then it got spoiled for me. I was like, well, you know what? Screw this game. 
kind of like enough. what happened with, with like The Last of Us 2, except I was more mad about the content of the story or what was the other game that got spoiled for me that I was mad about? Red- God of War technically did, but I didn't realize what I saw. Well, Red Dead was one of them. Red That's Dead why you quit one. playing yeah. Red Dead. Uh, okay, next one up. And I think we're getting towards the end of kind of the ones that we know for sure are supposed to be coming next year. And again, these are all subject to change, but this one was really cool. This is when they showed at the PlayStation 5 announcement event, if I'm remembering correctly. It's coming from Annapurna Interactive. It's Stray. It's the game they show with the little robots and the cats. Now, here's the thing. I'm excited, and this is where we sometimes complain about announcing a game and not showing much of what it is and just knowing about it too long. But the mystery of what this is kind of is what has me in. Clearly, I like cats, mm-hmm. so that comes into play too. But I also thought the world looked cool where you're seeing like robot barbers and all these weird things. So I'm, I'm interested in it, don't know enough about it, but I think it's one of those games where the mystery is set up just well enough, and I doubt it's going to be a, a $70 game. So I will probably buy it on the whim to see if the mystery can pay off. Honestly, for me, um, it looks like I love the style of this game. The mm-hmm. art of it looks cool. I think it'll probably be like one of those games like, like on a Saturday evening, me and my wife will get and play it together. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, fair. That makes sense. Next game coming up, I think both of us are excited for Solar Ash. Next game from the people behind. I don't know. I can't think of what that is off the top of my head. Uh, if I tell you Heart Machine is a developer, does that tell you something? No, because when you say Heart Machine, that makes me think of um, that other game that never came out. Well, Solar Ash is the follow up to Hyper Light Drifter. Yes. Okay. I don't know why I couldn't remember the name of that. Yeah. That's a very... For Hyper Light Drifter being kind of cool, Solar Ash is kind of non-remembering in my mind. You mean like the way it looks or the name? The name. Fair enough. Hyper Light Drifter sticks with you. I'll I'll give you that. Solar Ash looks cool, though, because it looks like taking all the things that Hyper Light Drifter did and translating them to 3D. Yeah, and honestly, Hyperlight Drifter was was one of those that was that almost made it into my game of the year or game of the generation. Really, yeah. it was a good game. You know what's weird about Hyperlight is it was very short, but Hyperlight gave me a lot of vibes of um, of Links to the Past. I mean, well, I mean, clearly there's some Zelda stuff in there, but really it it gave me the feeling of the Boss Rush game we were just talking about the other day, Fury. Titan Souls. Oh, Titan Souls. I was gonna say Fury, something but... away that game plays. Makes me think of Titan Souls. Titan that Souls top is down. so good. Titan Souls is so good. I'm I'm really excited for this because I liked seeing people move to 3D, but at the same time, I was kind of really digging the whole 2D renaissance with games being a really interesting form of 3D or of a 2D. Like I think Death's Gambit looks so cool that I know that that team probably wants to move towards 3D development because doing that kind of work is really hard. Yeah. But I think it's exactly why I end up liking Thunder Lotus's stuff so much. It looks so unique for it to look hand-drawn. Well, like, uh, take a look at, like, Hades and, um, uh, oh, gosh. What's... Who, who made Hades? <laughs> oh, Super Giant. Yeah, Super Giant. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't, honestly, if it wasn't for the art style of that game and, th- and some of the story aspects of that game, I probably would have played it as much as I did. Fair. Art plays a big role into how you feel about a game. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the game that I loved a ton, and of course I'm skipping on the name right now, Thunder Lotus is who was behind it, uh, Sundered. Sundered is a fantastic game. But I will say, how pretty it looked the entire time I was playing it was a big part of it. Because, like, satisfying combos combat-wise, like uh, I guess to say mechanically, is nice. But there's something about the flair that goes on top of it that when you can make it look cool while it also feels good, it just comes together. I think that was a big reason that um, 
games like um, Dead Cells did really well. Is it like it felt good, and it looked, but it looked just as good? Yeah, as Yeah, it, it felt. looked really. It had a personality to it. Yeah, and that's a true of a lot of these games. So Solar Ash, I think the problem that it could run into, which so far I don't think it's gonna, it's gonna, I don't think it'll miss. But the problem it could run into is that Hyperlight Drifter has such a unique style that yeah. you could lose some of that personality by trying to go into 3D if you don't do it right. So far, even though it kind of makes me think of Journey, and not in a bad way, of like where the camera sits and the way that your character moves, and even the pathless to an extent kind of comes to mind in thinking of the way that they set the camera behind these characters, I think it can keep a lot of its unique style and just general... Uh, I guess style is the best word to really land on. It, it has a feeling about it, and I really hope that that stays around. Hogwarts Legacy? Nope. I am so torn on this because I can't think of the last time that Avalanche made a game that I think was amazing. It's that. And, and I, I know I, Mad Max is one of those. So. I am a Harry Potter fan, so don't get me I wrong. But, but I don't think any game can live up to what you want it to be in terms of a Harry Potter game. Well, I think that that's the problem with making games within set universes. Like, as much as I like Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, they still weren't quite what I wanted them to be. Well, and I actually think if it wasn't for the Nemesis systems, I don't think either of those games would have been as well-remembered as they were. Well, think about it. Like, if, if everybody in their life who loves Harry Potter was like, it'd be so cool to have a video game where I make my own character and go to class and do all this cool stuff. It could be like Persona X Harry Potter kind of stuff with classmates. And then I got cool boss battles and I'm a, mag- I'm a, I'm a, ma- uh, a wizard. And probably I, not what this is going to be. And probably not what that's going to be. It looks like it, though. Like It looks like it could be. Yeah. Because there's no other reason to go back to Hogwarts because they've already done so many different twisted reality universes in that stupid series that J.K. Rowling keeps adding dumb shit into. So my thing about it is, like you said, I have for the longest time struggled with whether I would actually want an Avatar The Last Airbender game to come out. Or not even The Last Airbender, but a game set in that universe. And you could create your own Avatar. Because the problem is, it's like you said, you start to build up these grand ideas of what it could be. And it doesn't, and it never will be that. And it will never be that. Because uh, like, you know, we got the Legend of Korra game, and I've heard it's alright, but it's not what anybody would have thought. When you think about the premise of Avatar in the world... It's so immediately open to you can make your own bender. You could deter- you decide where you wanted to start based off of what bender you are. I you could that, start in the Fire Nation. I hate how that show is called Books. What do you mean? Oh, like instead of chapters? Yeah. Or instead of uh, seasons, seasons, it's books? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was cool. <laughs> I just I hate it because it gets my hopes up to like, oh, cool. Maybe instead of watching Avatar, read I'll just read it. It'd be cool to read. It would be. I'm, I would hope to see Avalanche do something different because Mad Max is different for them. I'll give them that. But I just... I don't know, drug on me a little bit. I could be missing a really great game by not finishing it, but drug on me. Uh, but they've been doing Just Cause for so long. And Just Cause is a fine series. They're fun to play, but that's it. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know anyone who's ever beaten a Just Cause game. And that's the thing about me. is like you play it, and you have ridiculous fun for in it for 10 to 12 hours, maybe 20 hours, and then you're kind of done because the stories are stupid, or at least the stories in two and one were. I remember this goes to show a lot about Just Cause. Whenever Big Seth downloaded Just Cause 2 demo and then got all of us to download it because it was stupid to play around in that little thing for the 30 minutes to an hour that it gave you. Yeah. But everything that that game had to offer, I feel like, we, we did in that demo. You know, so by the time that the game came out, I was like, I don't want to buy this game. I've played this game. Do you know a game is like that, but it does it 100 times better because how stupid it is with all the interactions you could have? Destroy all humans. True. In terms of just how ridiculous everything comes out. And I've actually beaten that game because that game's good. (laughs) Not saying Just Cause isn't good, but there's there's better ways to keep your attention by doing wacky, kooky fun. 
Well, you know what's weird about Just Cause? We've talked about earlier what we, what we both liked, or at least I know for sure what I liked about Days Gone and both and about Horizon, where it's just open, you determine how you... And it's what, what, what I liked about Bucksnacks as well. You just have a world, and you figure out how you do the things within it. Now, of course, Bucksnacks is a smaller thing. Uh, just Cause is like that blown up, because it's every bit of the game is like, well, you can mix this with this and this and this, and then see what happens. But... There's no fun backstory. There's nothing else that's fun about it. So eventually the gameplay doesn't have a motivation to pull forward. And you just kind of get to a point where it's like God, it's like when people used to play Grand Theft Auto and you just run around and kill people for like an hour. Eventually you get bored it just gets because old. You're, you don't have a motivation. Yeah. It's fun doing those things when in the back of your head you're also like, I got to go figure out who killed my buddy Tony. Or I got to go figure out where my dead girlfriend's at so I can avenge her because I got to figure out what happened to her. So you have that and then you even have like Horizon where you're like, I want to know who I am. I don't, you know, I've been kicked out of these people. I don't have a home. That's your backing motivation. And then you have these, oh, well, what was the past? But the Just Cause games never gave me that motivation. So I guess it's, I feel like a great Hogwarts or Hogwarts Legacy being a great RPG would rest on having a really good story. So that means that for this, I hope they're bringing in a good writer. Like I hope that they're hiring someone in who has written for RPGs and quest lines and knows what to do to make a well-written quest. Um, it's not impossible. Yeah. You know, it, it, we've seen people turn stuff like that around. Horizon brought in people, and it didn't do great. Horizon had some issues with their writing feeling very stagnant and weird. Right. But they... It was better than you would have anticipated from someone who only made first-person shooters because they brought people in from The Witcher 3. Yeah. So maybe we could have that happen here. Because I still think CD Projekt Red, for all the stuff that they've done wrong, their quest writing and the way that they actually write their characters out is so great. And I, very few developers quite have that in the type of game that is. Like I think Bethesda does not write great characters in their open worlds, at least to the same degree that we've seen CD Projekt do. That's why they needed Obsidian. That's the problem is Obsidian do write great characters. And that's what I think made New Vegas so great. But uh, that's an argument for a different day. I know some people really love 3 and think it's better than New Vegas. It is what it is. A uh, couple more games on this list. There's that Goodbye Volcano High. I don't know what it is to the extent that I don't know whether I should be interested in it or not. But I'm at least interested enough to see it. Um I think that there's a strong chance, and this is more getting into the ifs. I think there's a strong chance from what they've shown that Final Fantasy 16 is either comes out before the end of next year or early 2022. 2022, but, without a doubt. I'm, but at the same time, if you're Square Enix and you're, and you're trying to be this company who's no longer showing games and then waiting for 18 years to release them. And Project Area comes out in 2029. <laughs> you're laughing. But Speaking of which, that's the next thing on this list. Uh, Why is it even on the list? It's, it's definitely coming out this year. I know. Year that's that's the big year. thing. Like, And then you have uh, we've already talked about Horizon. Some of these games are ones that I think we're, we're seeing is going to come out next year. Like, It doesn't technically have a date, but Housemark's Returnal. Now, the weird thing about this is you remember years ago. I don't think that's coming out this year either. Housemark, oh, in 2021? You can go ahead and buy and pre-order and everything in that game. There's a bunch of gameplay shown. And I there's think no it's release date? No. You but, can pre-order a game without a release date now? Oh, you've been able to do that for That's this so entire stupid. generation. No, please stop doing that. You've this been able to do that shit. this entire generation. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, the reason I even say that is that they know the price, and it's a full-price $70 game. I'm sure it is. This is crazy. Housemark are known for smaller titles. Right. 
that are 2D normally and change the wings. They're, they're more known for that type of game. And now we see them trying to translate themselves into a 3D game, which I do think looks good. I'm not down talking it. But it's a big bet. And if you remember about a year and a half ago, they came in and said that they were going to be changing things up moving forward, and it was going to require them to evolve. And I think this is the result of that evolution. But it's it's going to be scary for a lot of people who really like Housemark. I'm going to be really excited to see how some of my f- friends who really love Housemark feel about this game. There was a big, if you're interested in it at all, Saul, and if anyone else is listening, there was a big gameplay thing that they did just the other day, about a week ago, and it shows quite a bit about the way the game plays and feels. Yeah. And it looks good for them to be finally moving into a fully 3D realm. I'm more curious how they're going to play story yeah, and how these things are going to come together. Um, cause that's not something that I think house markets had to do a whole lot of because their games are so gameplay based and this could still be that, but you still, I don't know, but we will definitely see. I, well, there's some games that are already out that are coming out like Yakuza coming out around, but do you think there's any games that we've not already talked about that you think will actually make it out next year? I don't think so. You think Atomic Heart will be out next year? Atomic Heart was the game I was trying to think of earlier. When when you said, um, no, I can't think of the developers of Solar Ash. Or not the developers of Solar Ash, but... Um, oh, yeah, Munfish. Heart is, Machine. Yeah, Heart Machine. Yeah. 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 Munfish is the developer Maybe, for I don't know. There's Atomic Heart and there's a Witch game. I can think of the Witch game. See, yeah, uh, Witch Fire. Witch Fire, yeah. Those two games we've known about for like at least... We've known about Atomic Heart for like two, maybe three years. We know about Witch Fire for a year and a half. Witchfire was a t- 2017, was the original was thing, December 2017. Because it was a Game Awards thing, so that's three years ago. Hot damn. I'm so, so that means Atomic Heart's older. Yeah, talking- now look, they did have a new gameplay, if I'm not mistaken, in like 2019. Yeah, yeah they here did. it is. Yeah. I'm excited for it. You know what game that we haven't talked about that I think Hope has a chance of coming out next year? Hmm. God, my brain just went blank. Um, Bio Mutant. Oh yeah, yes. I forgot about Bio Mutant. See, that's the problem. They're waiting too long. People are going to start forgetting about these things, like most people have, because it's hard to remember a game you learned about two years ago when you have all these new games that are coming out. I think the same thing happened with like we talked about Witchfire and then Atomic Heart. I think both of these have the problem that they're coming from smaller developers, so they need to show more and more often. But then you run the risk of you feel like it's been forever since you've heard about it. Most people who don't seem like who don't keep up with it, even people who do, are going to start having that feeling. Like, Did that get canceled? And we just didn't know about it. No, yeah. it's still here. It's just, it's just one of those weird things. That's like it makes it to where I feel like the game has to do better day one for people to feel like it justified the wait. What? Well, yeah, and especially just the just yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy to know about a game for so long, or even even x amount of time with all the information given about a game, and then it comes out and it's like, well, that game flopped. Yeah. Somebody said Maneater did that. I'm like, Maneater did not flop. Maneater looked fun and it looks like a great indie release. And it actually sold pretty well. Yeah. I mean, considering the size of the team, it's a lot like you gotta always look at the size of the team. It's a lot like um the people who behind um Mortal Shell. Cold assembly. Something I, like that. I don't remember that, that name either. Uh but yeah, they're a very small developer and this is their first game. So it you know, it doesn't really cold symmetry. Uh, yeah, it doesn't need to be much, you know. You, a lot of these new games are coming out and being made with such small teams that if you look at it and think it's a flop, I mean, honestly, I think Maneater sold like two million 
or something like that. It did surprisingly well. Um, I'm going to see if I can look it up real quick just because it, it, it's surprising to me. Yeah, September is when it broke uh, 1 million sales. Honestly, for what that game is, I can guarantee you that's that's probably a smash success. Oh, absolutely. There's probably a couple hundred and that game grand was really in that fun. Game. Yeah. Yeah, that game was really fun and I enjoyed it, but yeah, the fact that you see some of these games coming back around with PS5, I think that it means that they sold well enough for people to feel like it deserves another chance uh to find even more success. I think Greedfall when it comes to PS5, might have a chance of doing even better as well because the biggest complaint I think people have with Greedfall is that it was broken up in ways where it's like you have to load a little too often. It'd be great if they could find a way to bring that forward and either do what naturally would happen and cut down these lead times or load times. It'd be even greater if they could redesign these games to where you have to load less often. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's kind of like what I talk about with Fable. I would love to see Fable 1 be remade where you just walked around the whole thing open world. But since that game is not made that way, you'd have to create the interstitial areas between everything. So, like, if you were originally in a glade and then suddenly you're in, like, this real swampy area, you've got to make, like, a cave or something that connects these two. Or Maybe find- that's the next version of remasters or remakes. See, that's what I hope. I, I keep hoping for a remake of Fable 1 that does away with the dated part of it. Fable 1, honestly, is not that, that dated. No, it's except, not. A, except for the, the fact that you have all these small corridor areas. Like, if you can find a way to just make that world, even if you te- kept all the mechanics besides that the same, I think it's actually a really solid game. Wasn't Fable 2 opening up like you in an alleyway with your sister? Mm-hmm. And like uh, okay, and yeah. Fable Two is a much bigger world than cuts. Fable Two, world. Fable Two didn't age uh, poorly either, but that was also a 360 game. Yeah, that was the first time it went on 360. So. It was which Fable One was a very late Xbox game. So it is what it is. I'm I know that there's some games that people are excited for that are coming. These are some of the big ones. We chose to pull from a list that just had some because a lot of them were shown. And honestly, I know that there are games that have not even been talked about here, like. What are the chances that Elder Scrolls Six, or not even Elder Scrolls Six, because we know that's after Starfield? What are the chances Starfield comes next next year? Nothing low. Nothing. I don't think so. Nothing at all. Um, but for the first week, it's back. Hit up our community's take in our Discord, which is the link description below. The YouTube comments, if you really, really want to, and of course uh, on Twitter over there at twittercom sqrd where you guys can tell us what you are most anticipated for this coming year of 2021 for your games. And big shout out to everybody. I hope you all had a safe Christmas. I hope you all ate good food, got cool presents. Uh, maybe some of them were from Manscaped where you can go there and use <laughs> discount code SQRD and get 20% off and free shipping. Maybe not. That can still be fixed. You know, um, Get you a New Year's gift. Yeah, New Year's Eve is just you know a couple days away. And uh, I keep forgetting we get Friday off next week too. We do. You know, get a next week. That's why I took that strategic vacation like you did. Yeah, I took mine strategically. <laughs> uh, but... We'd like to thank everybody who watches the show, who likes us and uh, subscribes to us. That is also great. Don't forget, you can find us across all podcast services, as well as support us monthly at patreon.com slash nartech, where we have all kinds of cool benefits over there, including if you are Patreon for a full one of our quarters, you get a custom case. You get to pick which one you want out of the selections that we have, and that's a cool little benefit, as well as getting stuff content Mm -hmm. early. And I have updated people who are waiting on them. I've got about seven of those cases done. And the rest of them, I'm having to wait for reprints due to tech error. So that's something I plan to do this week as I go out is to go ahead and format those and make sure should be in the part I need for them to go ahead and print. So 
we'll get finally caught up on that, and then sadly, it's going to end up being time for you to choose again because it took a little longer. But Did you just get through. Everyone knows. Thank you. Appreciate your patience. No one has said anything crazy. You will get your case. Promise you. It's just crazy time of year. Stuff's going on, and what I've learned this past week, and whenever that popped up, is that it's really hard to get stuff in right now. Of course, it's really, really hard to get stuff in. There seems to have been more packages shipped this year than I can even remember in the last few years. And that sounds so crazy because the economy is supposed to be bad and all this stuff, yeah. but it's where we are. So, uh, but yeah, thank you guys. Really appreciate you. And like Saul said, you can head over to patreon.com slash Nartech and get in on that and support the show. We really appreciate it. It helps us a lot. And the best feature is every episode, we end the video with a list of your names. Brett? Hey, shout out to our patrons, Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Mr. Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys so much for the continued support, and we hope you have a great new year.